Welcome to McLean's Pop Culture Podcast, The Thrill, for the week of May 15th. On this week's show, what a shame. A Toronto man has been fired after offending someone who shouted a now infamous phrase, a phrase that can be abbreviated to F-H-R-I-T-P, at TV reporter Shauna Hunt. We'll talk to Shauna about the horror of the act and the morality of the shaming. In obit for a TV era, American Idol and CSI both got cancelled this week. How did two of the defining shows of the 2000s meet their end, and what legacy do they leave behind? Sonia Bell joins us to talk about those shows and what format might die next. And our Kill segment returns as we cast our gaze upon the McDonald's rebrand of The Hamburglar. Is it terrible, or is there something, anything redeemable about it? I'm Adrian. I'm Emma. And I'm Julia. And this is The Thrill. When City News reporter Shauna Hunt was covering a Toronto FC soccer game on Sunday, a man with a very bad goatee interrupted her live broadcast outside the stadium and shouted a vulgar expression into her camera, an expression linked to an asinine trend that has plagued female reporters for two years. The trend, known shorthand as FHRITP, involves what is usually a male passerby interrupting a woman reporter doing a live hit and yelling into the adjacent camera, F her right in the P. That was, of course, the PG-rated version of the expression, but I'm sure you know by now what it means. When Shauna Hunt was inundated with the phrase on Sunday, she took a stand, challenging a group of soccer fans standing and snickering nearby who had planned to prank her in the same fashion. The men doubled down on their sexist glee, defending the F her right in the P trend. I don't care what Treat. you say. Well, okay. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with uh, when, uh, when you talk into my microphone and say that into my camera to viewers at the station I work at, it is disrespectful and degrading to me. I don't care. Me. It's Okay, why is it so funny, though? Why is it so it funny? It is hilarious. Why? We're not the only people. It happened in England. You know that it's it, old? It's, it's really not funny. It's been anymore. like a year. It's been longer than You're that. lucky there's not a vibrator in here, like in England, because it happened all the time. It's Amazing. I respect it. If your mom saw you talk, oh, like my mom would die laughing eventually. One of them, a man identified as a Sunshine List Hydro One employee, was summarily fired. Shauna Hunt is in the studio with us. Hi, Shauna. Hi, thanks for having me. So how are you? What what have the last few days been like for you? Uh, it's been crazy because, um, I mean, I knew that this was going to get attention, but we just didn't know how widespread it would be. So it's been busy. Um, not much sleep, a lot of, you know, reaction to this, and uh, and here we are. And, like, what? how do you feel about the just enormous attention this has been getting in terms of, like, the online shaming of the guys involved? I mean, does it make you uncomfortable at all, or...? I mean, to some degree, yeah, of course it does. I, I mean, it, it is harsh, the online shaming. And uh, we didn't go into this to just shame these two guys and vilify these two guys. We were simply, um, after this confrontation happened, we just wanted to expose this, uh, you know, attitude and behavior that is exists in Toronto and is still very prevalent. Not just Toronto, but it's happening in North America. And, uh, you know, since this story broke, I've been hearing from reporters all over the world who say it's caught on in their countries, too. Yeah, I almost wonder if, like, because online shaming always makes me uncomfortable, but I feel like in this instance, it serves a pretty useful purpose. Like, I can't see this happening anytime soon with such frequency, at least in Canada. I mean, the guy was fired. One hopes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, a lot going on. I mean, I think what's amazing is so many people 
um, you know, took a stand on this. So many people all over. I mean, this is global. This has now become a global discussion. Harassment uh, respects women. I mean, it's I think that's the positive thing that's come out of this. Yeah. And and just on that note of like the online furor that came out of it and it largely fueled by Twitter that that got this um, this guy with this six figure salary axed from his job. And uh, what do you think about um, I mean, Internet society, which I guess is just actually just society now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to call for somebody to get fired uh, on their job when they have evidence, which is usually posted in the form of a video or maybe like a tweet Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, behaving in a way that the general consensus kind of considers them substandard. Like, do you think there's a kind of a a line for that kind of stuff? I think this is something that we're still learning lessons from social media. And I think that's it. I mean, when did Twitter start? Oh, five or six. It's still new enough that, you know, we're still uh, getting new experiences with it all the time. And I think this is a lesson to everyone, Mm -hmm. everyone, whatever you put on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever you do with cameras rolling. I mean, iPhones, you know, people pull out their iPhones now and record everything. And the power of social media um, is is so far reaching. And um, I think that's something, you know, we, we all need to be very aware of. It certainly costed uh, uh, many people their jobs that there was that woman that tweeted something and went on, on the plane and by the time she landed it was just like... She yeah, Justine been, Sacco. There you go, Justine Sacco. John Galliano, you remember when he was mm-hmm. like captured on, on a video saying anti-Semitic things in a bistro he got fired? Mitt mm-hmm. Romney... Right. Remember with the 47 percenter. And here we had two firefighters who posted some sexist comments or some offensive comments and they were they were sacked. I feel like in those cases, though, those people, not that what they were doing wasn't wrong, but um, they they were either maybe their comments were taken out of context or they were private comments. And we've all said terrible things in private before. But I think with the FHR. Effer right in the P. Effer, yeah, I think with the effer right in the P trend, those people are seeking out attention. And so I feel like there's less sympathy. Well, the thing with this trend, I I totally agree with you, because the thing with this trend is these people who go into live shots and yell this disgusting phrase into the microphone, they're putting themselves in that position. Uh, They're the ones doing this to themselves. Now, I do need to make clear, these guys that were... I confronted or, you know, we had that squabble back and forth. Um, I mean, those guys didn't say it to me, mm-hmm. but it was two guys, different guys before them. And I could hear them snickering and conspiring mm-hmm. to perhaps do it next. And that's when I turned and just wanted to know why is yeah. this funny? Why would you want to do it? Well, I wanted to ask specifically about that day. I mean, what, you know, you said you've heard that before, you know, a lot of reporters have heard that before. What made you decide to confront them this time? It's, it wasn't a decision. Mm-hmm. It, it was in the heat of the moment. It was my reaction to come on again 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 what now you're thinking of doing it that sort of thing um i mean this has been going on for almost two years it happens almost daily sometimes numerous times a day all depends on i guess the scenario that you're in if you're in a big crowd or um where you are um would you say it happens more with sporting events or events where there are more men present drinking i wish i mean from my experience on Sunday, it it was it was extreme. It was escalating. I got it all the time. Um, at the same time, this is what's so shocking about the trend is that it happens. Men roll down their windows, their car windows, and yell it at me. You know, uh, stone cold sober walking down the street. You know, f- grown men uh, will say it. Um, I've heard women do it too once in a while. Mm-hmm. In my experience, I haven't had that, but 
I know other reporters say that women have done it too. Yeah, you mm -hmm. said that you, you know you have a lot of female colleagues or I know of a lot of female yeah. broadcasters who've had this happen to them. What were some of the most grievous stories that you heard? Really bad ones? Yeah, I, I, there's a couple of them, and I have a couple on my own. Um, one, our Cynthia Mulligan was at a school, and you know, a kid who couldn't be more than 10 years old yelled it at her. And in that scenario, it's like you, you could blame it on immaturity. And, you know, does a boy that young even really understand the caliber of what he's saying? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's shocking in the sense that a little boy can say that disgusting word or has heard that word enough times to know to say that phrase. Um, for me, I, I've seen uh, one time I was not long ago, about a month ago, this one stands out. I was doing an interview, um, I think on uh, university or somewhere downtown, uh, just on the street corner. And uh, some guy in a marked van, his company logo, <laughs> like wrapped around the van, rolls down his window and blah, 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 blah. Wow. Another time I was interviewing Olivia Chow on during the mayoral race again on the street corner and some guy in a pickup truck turns the corner slows right down rolls down the window f her right in the pee and like you know olivia's mortified and i have to you stop the interview I, I she was she she was like Whoa. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had to sort of explain this is a thing and it's what did disgusting. Ah, uh, just whoa, yeah. sort of like her. <laughs> she just yeah. she yeah. was shocked on her face. Yeah. But I, I just wow. had to stop the interview. I, you know, explain to her what this is and how stupid it is, and then you know, uh, try and regain my 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 thoughts and and get back into the interview. So it's that, disruptive. How does that make you feel? Like it's a professional one. I mean, like now I know you're kind of used to, it, but when you first started to hear it. I, I mean, of course, it was jarring, but just because of it's such a specific phrase, misogynist phrase, mm -hmm. I mean, were you like, what the? Well, I just don't know when the P word became acceptable to yell in right. public. It's so, like, grotesque, right? I mean, we've heard it. I mean, sure. yeah. Rob Ford had a P bomb. <laughs> oh, and yeah. how shocking was that when that mm -hmm. word was used? Mm -hmm. yeah. It was it was shocking and and i just don't know why this word yeah now that there's been so much attention drawn to it do you feel like uh now there's gonna things are gonna change finally or i mean i can't make predictions um i don't know how things are going to change if they are um i feel that the response has been overwhelmingly just so positive that i mean already i've heard my uh, my colleagues at city you know it's been a, a long week for all of us um we're all sort of impacted by how big this story exploded uh but i heard you know i've never felt so safe doing a live hit people have come up to say you know way to go city news and so that is so encouraging to hear now of they're going to start interrupting you being like girl way power. to go yeah. Yeah. Know, right? it's never ending um <laughs> I mean, so that so that's great, and and I can't make predictions. I don't know how people are going to react yeah. overall, but I mean, I'm, I I hope there's been so many harsh consequences out of this, mm -hmm. and I think people would be stupid to not think twice before interrupting us on the job. Mm -hmm. Toronto well, police are saying that um, charges against the men involved aren't out of the question. Have you considered filing a complaint? It's not what I ever yeah. intended to do. I didn't go into this saying, I'm going to get these guys, I'm going to, I want an apology, I want a complaint, I want this mm -hmm. and that, forget it. That's not also, what this was about. I feel like that might just make them martyrs. If, I mean, no, I would never yeah. go that far. I, I, we just had to expose, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the culture that is still out there. And and we had this Do opportunity. Do you feel a sense of relief now that it's kind of come to this head and this is what's happened? I still, I mean, I'm, ner I'm nervous. All this attention is, uh, it's a scary thing. I'm not used to being on this side of the news. Mm -hmm. I have a whole new, uh, you know, perspective on all of it. 
um, yeah, that's that's all I can say about that. Right. I you mentioned earlier the idea of uh, someone interrupting in the job, and I think there's like two halves of this like of mm-hmm. this thing that are both indefensible. The one is the the misogyny of the words that are being uttered, and I think that's like unquestionable that these are these are hateful words. But I think the other thing that people don't quite understand, and you know, we're here in a room of journalists, th- these people are just interrupt like ruining your shot. You know, I worked in in broadcast for a little mm-hmm. while too, and you just I mean the equivalent of that would be like if you went into a coffee shop, knocked a coffee down, and then ran out the store, like like. It's just working. Like, you don't do that, right? Like, I mean, what what bothers me beyond all the like truly awful you know mm-hmm. hate speech there is is the fact that uh, you know society just doesn't do that kind of thing. Like, you're not supposed to be like you know go outside your lane. You're not supposed to ruin people's work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's galling to me too. This other aspect that that people maybe aren't talking about as much. Well, that's it. Whether it's live or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everything. I mean, this happens to us every day without it actually going to air. Like, um, we've had a few, we've had three or four example times when it did go to air and, uh, you know, the reporters were actually bombarded. But, um, I mean, every day it happens and uh, it's disruptive. We have to do retakes. And when you're on such tight deadlines, not every day is simple in this industry. We all know things change quickly. Mm-hmm. You've got deadlines. You've got to do your stand-ups. You've you, you got a lot to get in. And when you have to do retakes because uh, people are getting in your way. It's yeah. just irritating. Yeah, it's just the humor, apparently, because I, I decided that I would read some defenses of this thing. Uh, the the humor in it, apparently, is that you know you are uh, changing up a boring broadcast, like a bro- like everyone, right. whatever. Who said like, that? Yeah, but it's just, but it's like, well, how is that's how is just, that an argument? Uh, how is that an yeah. argument? Like, it'd be equivalent if I go into your work and just like ruined your desk and be like, ah, oh, what a what a funny change to your boring work. <laughs> like, I just don't get it. I have one last question about which I've wanted to ask since this happened the guy who you were originally interviewing who it looked like he had something to say Mm -hmm. about tfc did you talk to him after like because he looked kind of almost crestfallen like he had something (laughs) important to say well i mean actually those guys um were pretty decent to me um i i remember um i confronted and then i came back and then i could hear them laughing so i just finished what i was saying um those guys sort of turned to me and said you know what don't let that bother don't let them bother you they're trying to say that but uh um i wasn't finished <laughs> your mind was on other things by yeah. yeah i was i could still <laughs> the see them on the corner of my face but uh yeah thanks for coming in shauna yeah well just thank you for having me and thank you for you know continuing this conversation because it's a big issue and it's turned into such a such a positive thing For years, American Idol was called the Death Star. It obliterated any show that competed with it in its time slot, but it got cut this week after 15 seasons. It brought the world Simon Cowell, Carrie Underwood, and Jennifer Hudson, and spawned copycat shows like The Voice and X Factor. CSI also just got canceled after 15 years. It's often been called the most watched television show in the world, and at its height, it garnered 63 million views worldwide. And for scale, NCIS was 2013's most watched drama with 57.6 million viewers. CSI spawned uh, CSI Cyber, CSI New York, CSI Miami, a dynasty. So what do we think about the fact that these shows got chopped and what was their legacy? We have with us today in the studio Sonia Bell, who wrote an obituary for McLean's this week about American Idol. Um, she was once quite a fan. Hi, Sonia. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Good to be here. Uh, Sonia, so what's your take on what just happened? Well, it's it's something that, I mean, we all should have seen coming because viewership was declining. Advertisers were pulling out. 
and it had been a while since the show had turned out a great star. But it's still, it's one of those shows that just, you you feel like it's always going to be there, like Survivor, uh, like The Simpsons. You just, you assume that <laughs> that somehow it'll stay on the air. Um, so it was a big surprise when they announced that the next season will be its last. And I felt a little sad just thinking back on my, on the fond memories that I have of watching the show when it was at its time in the early 2000s, the most exciting thing on television. What made it so exciting back in the day? Back in the day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All those years ago. Yes. Um, it was, I think, I think what grabbed people, certainly what grabbed me, is that there were a few reality shows on the air already. We had uh, Survivor, we had Big Brother, but this was the first show that was going to have real world impact that we weren't watching um, for a prize amount at the end. We were mm-hmm. watching because the, the person who won was going to be our superstar, the, the <laughs> America's the world's yeah, biggest right. superstar. There really was that sense um, then. I think that we're, we're a bit jaded now. We've lost confidence. We've lost a lot of confidence in the show. But then it seemed for sure that they were scouring America. They were coming up with the most talented people. And inevitably, whoever won was the next Michael Jackson. I think, too, like I was a huge fan of the show. I was obsessed with it. It's first season, 2002, with Kelly and Justin. And then I went to see the movie like star oh, no. Kelly and Justin. Quite a um, film. You'd seen it. We've made a bet that you'd seen it. Really? Yeah. yeah, I was really into it. But I think what was so appealing about American Idol in its first few seasons is that it had incredibly high stakes. Like the people who won the show or even were runners up were actually going to be big stars. And then as this the show progressed, season after season, that became much less likely, I think. So it just the stakes got lower and you were watching it for the competition aspect but you knew it was sort of a farce where once it was over like these people will disappear like I can't remember the last few American idols yeah and the the last one I had to look this up but the last person who won only sold uh, Caleb Johnson only sold 11,000 albums in his first week which Mm. is just piddling Good. I think also, too, is that uh, people just get bored of narratives, and that's true across, like, TV and movies and all that. But, you know, you think back on, uh, like, the first few seasons of American Idol, and people are like, oh, you know, this, you know, there was still the stories of the poor person who decided to try out or, like, the busker who was doing this. And by now, like, by the 15th season, it's like, oh, God, another busker, whatever, boring. <laughs> uh, that was true, too. I remember, I like, the, the show that I was the biggest, fa- the biggest fan of in this format was America's Best Dance Crew. Uh, which I watched basically inexplicably, uh, other than the fact that it was like kind of cool to watch. But no, it, there was always that one. Uh, there was always that one story about the Asian who like was disappointing their mom by doing dance. And like, could you second, relate to this? I, well, I didn't have the dance. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just, I just never. It's just you get bored of seeing the same kinds of stuff. And I think YouTube helped kill the show because yeah. there was no longer any reason to tune in every Tuesday and Wednesday night and watch it for those rare moments of something funny happening there was um you know a highlights reel yeah like all of the the fails that we watch now youtube is just that's one of its main functions for me is i will watch like the worst american idol auditions so why on youtube and they're all like formatted for me so why would i like watch the show when maybe there's one bad audition every few and we also turn to youtube to find our new stars of course justin bieber cody simpson i think that so uh, I never liked the show, but not because I thought it was a bad show, but because for so many years, I, uh, when I was from, from when I was quite small, I um, trained to be a professional opera singer, and I had to like live auditions, and I they were terrifying, and to sing in front of a, a panel is like is really nerve wracking, and then to like 
live it vicariously by watching it on the show just was terrible. <laughs> and so I used to like flip past it and my heart would race because it would just remind me of bad memories. But also I think that, um, you know, you said something about how it was the first time somebody wasn't winning a prize. And, and with Adrian's point about the dance crew, like Survivor and things like that, uh, one person got to win $1 million. If you remember, that's what Survivor was. But the gift of finding the winner in American Idol or in the dance crew was really a gift to us. It was like some shining star of entertainment that was going to be something the world has never seen that we could enjoy the the dulcet tones or, or amazing dance moves mm-hmm. um, if this person were to be found. So I think that was part of the appeal. And I think, too, that you had been on the journey with the person, the reward at the end when Carrie Underwood was crowned, when Kelly Clarkson was crowned. You had been with them since the audition process, cheering them on, um, voting for them. And so you really felt passionate about that singer and involved in the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's also different as a, like, as a Canadian, just because we watch that show as much as anyone else, but we couldn't actually like dial in to like That was always anybody. so frustrating yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> but CSI, you didn't need to dial into that one. What did anybody really have a time with that show? Yeah, I uh, I actually watched the show a lot with my parents. It was that kind of sh- it, it sort of came about in the early two thousands, and it was uh, exciting, the kind of thing that like I didn't quite know was on television at the time. It was similar to Law and Order, but not quite. It, in, in that Law and Order is much more of a like a straight procedural. Um, CSI showed you like the cool science behind behind like a crime. Be like, oh, I'm gonna take this dropper of blood, and it changed colors. That means he did it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like looking back on it now, you think, well, that format is like also pretty boring. And it's what, what I mean about the idea of the, you know, the reality competition format. Seems like it's been there forever and it seems like it's never going to go away. But American Idol is a sign that maybe it's not. CSI, the, the reason that it's going away is a little bit different. That show just got extremely expensive to make. Uh, so they're shuttering that one, um, though its popularity is still going on. And you can see that in all of its its many, many, many spinoff kind of things. But I don't know, like, do you, are there other formats you guys uh, see as like next on the list to die? I wonder if the Law and Order will die eventually, all of those spinoffs, and not just mm-hmm. Law and Order, but the serial killer spinoffs, like those kind of whatever serial killer mysteries where there's, I don't know what you would call them. So was, is it the crime procedurals, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Maybe. Man, it's hard to say. Because I think... I think the medical drama is next to go. There's this new show, the mm. NBC uh, Heartbreaker, and it, I watched the trailer. It got released earlier this week, and it's this really awful looking trailer where it's like a woman is like very good at her job, but she doesn't know what to do with her love life. But she's really good at science, and so <laughs> she's putting a second heart in a patient. And that's literally the plot of the show. <laughs> is that it's just a person with two hearts, and there's like that. Lo- there's like a big moment in the scene where it's like, look two hearts. I'm not your protege, and you're not my mentor. We'll take Thomas's heart and connect it on top of Dina's. Piggyback. There are four doctors in the world who know how to do this operation. I'll be five. Ready to do this? I don't know. I just think I don't that... know. I think it's going to be a smash success. You know what? I, I'm almost certain you're right. Thanks for coming in, Sonia. Thanks for having me. Rubble, rubble, everyone. McDonald's made headlines when it decided to rebrand the Hamburglar. Once a cherubic cartoon child whose main hobby was burgling sandwiches, rebranded as a real-life suburban dad with a five o'clock shadow to advertise its new line of sirloin burgers. People didn't much care for it, and neither did Julia. So let's start with you, Julia. What did you think of this rebrand, and why do you want it to be killed? To borrow a page from Adrian's endless book of puns, 
I have a beef with the Hamburglar. Whoa. That's really good. <laughs> yes. As Adrian says, McDonald's has last week brought the uh, Hamburglar out of retirement. They kind of fashioned him as this suburban hipster hot dad. And they teased us with a couple commercials about how the reason he's coming out of retirement is because McDonald's has this limited time burger. So we first see him in his uh, in his garage with his fancy car, and then he kind of opens this uh, secret door, makes him look kind of like a Batman figure. And then he's in the ba- and then another one he's in the backyard with his hot wife flipping some burgers with his kids, and he's just like he's got a plan, and you yeah. can tell. We'll play a clip right now. This is your loving reminder to try McDonald's new sirloin third pound burgers, but they're only here for a limited time. Limited time. Limited time. Limited time. Rubble, rubble. And then he took over the Twitter feed. And uh, frankly, I think it's pathetic. And here's why. Originally, I'm sure many of you remember, there was Ronald McDonald, Grimace, Hamburglar, the whole crew. And it used to be marketed to kids uh, who would badger their parents, me included, of course, to take them to McDonald's because McDonald's hits the bliss index. It has that perfect uh, intersection of fat, sugar, and salt. But then, of course, we came to realize that McDonald's is really terrible for you. And to market to children now to get them to badger their parents into going would probably result in some shaming of that parent with people being like, you're feeding your kids that, don't you know better? So instead, they market it to those people who were once children that have now grown up that are 30-year-olds, basically, who can make their own decisions, enter hot dad, hamburger. So now McDonald's, their party line is that they are a progressive burger company. Progressive means hip. But what is hip in food? It is not burgers and french fries and milkshakes it's being a vegan it's fresh pressed juice it's kale Mm. and why is it that because we live in the information age we know too much to be able to enjoy mcdonald's without guilt or knowing that we're not doing something bad for our bodies and it's hip to be in the know that's what the information age means and uh it's hip to be in the know about what's good for your body and act accordingly and mcdonald's is not it but also The commercials break the cardinal sin of comedy, which is that it's about the art of the underdog. (laughs) Those who punch up. The goofy looking, hapless old Hamburglar had that. Hot dad Hamburglar with a family, a car, backyard does not. There is no humor in a character that appears to have it all. Would Don Draper make a good stand up? No way. New Hamburglar is a fail. It is a fair question why this Hamburglar now can't just go and buy a sirloin burger <laughs> with his own money. That is it. That Indeed. is a thing I will acknowledge. No need to burgle. <laughs> He's like Dane Cook meets Hamburglar. That's uh-huh. what they... Ch- it's bizarre the, the guy they chose. You'd think they'd choose a nerdier guy and they mm. chose... That's the comedy aspect. Or like Jamie Lannister. That's... I don't know if any... You guys don't watch Game of Thrones, do you? Yeah. yeah. Medieval okay. hot dad. Got yeah. It. yeah. It also sort of reminded me of what Disney went for when they started making cartoon movies with like Eddie Murphy and Robin was Eddie Murphy ever in a Disney movie? Yeah, he was movie? a Whatever. donkey in That's uh, Pixar, isn't track. it? Whatever. Oh so, no, he was a dragon in Mulan. Yeah. Uh so and also Robin casting. Robin Williams as the genie. Like these yeah, sort yeah. of mm-hmm. these characters who appeal to both kids and adults. They make some jokes, some smart highbrow jokes that kids don't understand and I feel like maybe that's what they were going for here with like you know the the Hamburglar uh, trying to tell us something, but then being constantly interrupted by his wife calling his smartphone. Yes, this is the new commercial. Yeah, has that that, that happens in the new commercial? But the jokes are just so lame that it, it doesn't yeah, like any work. suburban dad could relate. Oh, you know, when your wife's like, "Don't yeah. forget to pick up the," 
He can't be a mysterious burglar of hamburgers if he's got a, the old ball and chain yeah. on the line. One does not burgle when there is a wife. Yeah. <laughs> Ringing the That celly. joke itself is just, they're trying to update, but that joke itself is just so outdated. Yes. Like, your Cute. wife wouldn't be, first of all, wouldn't be calling you nonstop. She'd send you like six consecutive text messages <laughs> that you might not check. But it is wouldn't. Is that what your wife does? <laughs> yeah, kind of. But it would. Just put it on airplane mode. <laughs> Uh, so I'm about to embark on what I believe is my most dangerous take yet. Uh, I think it's like totally good luck. Totally, I think it's eminently reasonable that we don't care for uh, this Hamburglar uh, for many reasons. One, he looks like an idiot, um, <laughs> and he uh, does not uh, seem to be appealing to the demographic of the original Hamburglar. Now, I think there are a couple issues at play here. One, uh, people are fine. One of one of them is that they find this to be a weird thing, that there's this, like, live, weird, bearded dude who's the Hamburglar. Is that really that weird? Let me tell you that the initial, did you know that the Hamburglar's actual name is Hamilton B. Urgler? That's a real <laughs> fact. Uh, did you know that Grimace is supposed to be a milkshake? That sure is weird also. He looks and like that's Barbara a part of your Papa. Child. Yeah, it's just a weird, <laughs> Grimace also originally had lips. Uh, did you also know that though he was a cartoon, McDonald's used to have live action commercials with these things, except they were, it was a Yeah, they were small, terrifying. It was a four that. foot man in a costume. At is the that time weirder? they were charming though. Mm, no. I don't know. Um... <laughs> The yeah, the, for for ten years before we see him as the cherubic child, the Hamburglar was an old troll man. Uh, you know, this is not the first rebrand of of the uh, of the Hamburglar. Yeah, but it's a terrible one. There's there's a difference. And sure, his name is Hamilton. That is a good point, and he does look like a Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he, these days. But I, yes. Another point I want to make though Privileged, is that I think is, what you're getting at here. Another point I want to make is that uh, something that's really interesting is I like narratives in my advertising, and to me, when I watched this, when I watched these commercials, I actually got a real sense of nostalgia for two reasons. One, uh, the fact, the insinuation that this Hamburglar is the child grown up is a very interesting origin story to me. As a person who reads comics, as a person who likes nostalgia, I think that's really cool. The Hamburglar, I did not realize how much I did have nostalgic feelings for the Mick family uh, until I watched this. And, I, and in that way, I actually think that this ad was extremely well-targeted. This is not an ad for ti- an advertisement for children. It is an advertisement for adults to be like, oh, hey, the Hamburglar. Now, that's a thing I haven't thought of in a while. And the ad is also, interestingly, made by the same ad agency as uh, the hashtag like a girl. This is a Procter & Gamble campaign that uh, that came out and pulled a similar kind of heartstring. They took a they took an intri- the, an idea that you know oh show me what it's like to throw like a girl show me what it's like to do whatever and and turned it into a way that you know turned into a thing that both empowered people but also that sold is products. a stretch okay. yeah that's a crazy stretch <laughs> but I thought that that was effective advertising and I think this does a similar thing I think this takes this takes a uh, a staid you know normal idea uh, and turns it into something that effectively markets a specific product and I think there's nothing wrong with that I think as soon as we start hating on everything we can't do oh hey kind now. of fun things uh, like you know making what they made him they made him adult. like the young it was the young boy that watched those shows that grew up in his third and they made him a hot dad, which is what all those young boys hoped they would just grow a normal up. or just a normal dad grow up not to be, which is like somebody who is uh, settled but still like hot to the babysitter. Like I think that's what they were like hoping for. 
But the but the truth is is that it's it doesn't I mean sure we can all have fun it's just bad news it's not, they're not fooling anybody they're pulling on the nostalgia st- strings so that people eat more hamburgers and die but the thing too well well that's a that's a whole other thing but the, I don't think that they are aiming in any way to fool anybody and they're not saying oh boy this is this is the hamburger the hamburger you're gonna buy some I hate meals. to break this to you Adrian videos, but um, advertising is always about fooling people <laughs> certainly but no my point is that if you look at these commercials there is a very clear lack of effort the commercial you were talking about where uh, the 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 guy keeps getting interrupted by his wife. That video actually doesn't even end. It just sort of like abruptly is over. Um, I think there's a kind of amateurish quality that makes this uh, a charming thing in a way that is essentially modern. And I think, and I think, I'm I'm talking about the the Hamburglar. Mm -hmm. Not all the campaign bells and whistles that go with it. It's a part of the campaign. I don't like it. And I think I won this debate. Wow. (laughs) Saying that sure makes it true. Well, that's it for this week. Find new episodes every Friday at mcclains.ca and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and BeyondPod. We'd love it if you wrote us a review or a comment on iTunes, or if you'd like, you can tell us your thoughts about what we talked about with a comment on our site. If you like this, make sure to check out our politics podcast on The Hill or our books podcast, The Bibliopod. Our theme song is by Young Clancy. You can follow Emma on Twitter at Emma Rose Title. You can follow Julia at Julia Del J. And me at Adrian K. Lee. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.